When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Treasure Coast and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and conventional wisdom is usually just an illusion. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio, available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast directories. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com or you can call the vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, I hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend, had time to spend with your family and friends and had a great uh, barbecue we had steaks here at the Dawes house and uh, and if you tuned out politics yesterday and uh, and didn't listen to this show I did do a live show to make up for the one I missed on Friday so you can listen to that uh, either at my show page at mojo50.com or you can go directly to my Twitter site at right now Jim Dawes and find the uh, the Spreaker podcast. Well, Hillary Clinton apparently had a, a good Memorial Day herself. She uh, took to Twitter and posted, I'm missing our Chappaqua Memorial per- Day parade today, while also feeling grateful to leaders like New York Governor Como for making responsible decisions to keep us safe. This is the most tone-deaf woman in the world. I mean, making responsible decisions to keep us safe. Tell that to the 5,000 nursing home patients that Andrew Como killed by issuing that executive order, forcing them to take COVID-infected patients. The American people, for their part, I think have realized that, that, that this virus represents a very, very small threat to uh, people under 60 who are in good health. And they were out in big numbers at beaches and, and boardwalks and in uh, swimming pools. And the left is absolutely melting down. They are freaking out. But the jig is up as far as Americans are concerned. They're, they're realizing now that while these numbers were um, over the top to begin with, the reality is uh, is we know who the vulnerable populations are, and everybody else uh, is at very little risk. It's sort of a collective wisdom that has finally taken hold. And Americans want to get back to work, get their lives back, and start handling this 
pandemic that uh, has a, a lower death rate than the Hong Kong flu back in 1968. They want to uh, start it to be start being handled in a way that uh, balances the risk with the, the need for Americans to, uh, to make a living and go about their lives. The left, for their part, on, uh, on the cable news channels and on social media are freaking out. They will not have it. They insist these lockdowns be continued. You can assign various motives to that, whether they want the economy to continue uh, to be flat on its back through November because they think it might help Joe Biden. I'm not exactly sure the logic behind that. Joe Biden was in Washington for 50 years and presided uh, over one disaster after another. Donald Trump was in office for three years, had the lowest unemployment rates in our history, and was returning jobs, reforming trade deals, keeping us out of these uh, stupid foreign wars. But Joe Biden's going to say, well, we need, we need to put me back in. Put me in, coach, because I will, uh, I'll straighten it out when I'm not hunkered down in my basement. Of course, he made a... Uh, he he wandered out of his basement for the first time in two months and made an appearance to lay a wreath. He and his wife were uh, wearing a, a black face mask, and uh, old Joe with his black face mask and his aviator glasses, uh, you really weren't able to tell whether that was him or not. So he's out in the fresh air and sunshine, surrounded by a phalanx of, social, uh, of um, Secret Service agents, and he feels uh, the need to wear a mask to model this uh, this lockdown behavior. And the media is uh, all over saying that uh, all 50 states have, have now uh, moved to toward reopening. That is a lie designed to give them some cover in the, the blue states like um, Michigan and California, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Virginia, on and on. They continue with these uh, these lockdown orders that are keeping businesses from reopening, keeping churches closed, demanding that people, uh, you know, not sun themselves on the beach. They, As long as they keep moving, if they keep walking, it's okay. But the second that they lay down and, and uh, in the sun, apparently that is too much for these blue state governors to take. Babylon B had an interesting uh, story. They said uh, Florida ruled to be in violation of science for not having more people die. <laughs> and you can tell that they are just absolutely beside themselves that uh, Florida and Georgia and uh, Texas and these other states have opened and yet their hospitalizations, which is the only real uh, reliable metric for the uh, the severity of the outbreak, their hospitalizations continue to go down. It's partly because of the warmer weather, partly because people are, uh, you know, uh, knowing how to, uh, to limit their exposure. And, uh, and mostly because the people that are in the vulnerable populations know now know to lock themselves indoors But if you really want to see uh, what they're all about, this um, th 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 this news coverage 
of Jack Kemp in Georgia, you know, uh, leading up to that state's reopening really says it all. It was, um, it was about three, maybe four weeks ago now that he announced that he'd start opening up in Georgia. The media had a field day. Old Stacey Abrams, who fancies herself the legitimate governor of Georgia, she's really only distinguished herself by coming close to winning an election. She uh, she jumped, you know, to condemn Jack Kemp. You had the the uh, mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, saying that the you know the sky would fall. In the Atlantic Magazine. Their headline was George's experiment in human sacrifice. And the New York times said, Georgia leads the race to become America's number one death destination. None of it happened. Are there any retractions? Any mea culpas? No, they just move on the drive by medias as rush likes to call them at the business insider. Um, a, a writer wrote, live updates. Georgia hasn't seen a massive spike in coronavirus cases since reopening. Actually, the number of coronavirus hospitalizations have gone way down. But if you go to the article toward the end there, it says, um, but it's too soon to declare reopening works. That was uh, from reporter Michelle Mark. And the reason I say that the only reliable uh, matrix is hospitalizations is because we've had such a, a drastic increase in the number of tests that, of course, the number of positive diagnosed tests is going to go up. But if you're really uh, sick and, and you're, you know, being affected by this virus, then it would be hospitalizations and, and hospitalizations is sort of falling off the cliff. And you can tell by looking at these blue state governors that, they don't like it. They don't like it at all. They they enjoyed their tyrannical power. They enjoyed being able to just make executive orders and, and governed by fiat. There in Michigan, you had uh, you had the uh, governor Gretchen, governess Gretchen, revoke uh, the business license of a barber who said, uh, "The heck with this. I'm going back to work." He reopened his shop and defied governess Gretchen. And, uh, and when she tried to shut him down, he took it to a judge and the judge refused the governor's order saying that, uh, she didn't have the authority to shut down Michigan businesses. She has made no finding or no support for the fact or for the allegation that, uh, that his, his business was that uh, was threatening the public health? Got a clip here. If I can find it, here is um, the the barber from Michigan after the judge's ruling. Morning. Remember the Operation Haircut protests in Michigan? The 77-year-old barber who said, I'm not closing down uh, despite the cease and desist order. Well, a judge in Michigan has ruled that he can stay open. That judge said the state health department failed to show that the shop was a threat to public health. The attorney general in the state is trying to appeal the judge's decision. Here's the barber himself on Fox and Friends First. 
So I'm encouraging others now to stand up, to open up, and to show up. You know, uh, we, we're down in Michigan. We're down. We have a 21 percent unemployment problem right now, and uh, we need to get back to work. She acts as though she's our mother, and she's not my mother. All of us don't yeah. want a handout. We- <laughs> she is not anybody's mother. She is not a dictator. She does not have this uh, this authority to just order businesses closed without uh, without some sort of due process, and she can't go through that due process because it won't stand up. And the, the wild-eyed attorney general, her name is Dana Nessel, she's announced an appeal. She's not going to have it. And for her part, Governor Gretchen has revoked the 77-year-old barber's uh, professional license. I guess it's a cosmetology license, which you know, just shows that she's determined to have her way regardless. Out in California, Governor Newsom has, has issued a um, an executive order and mailed out ballots for the November election to everybody in the state. And there's no telling how many hundreds of thousands, perhaps even more than a million of those ballots that he's mailed out are to people who are no longer living in the state, no longer alive and no telling where they'll be end up and who they return, uh, who they are returned by the Republican national committee out there, the national Republican congressional committee and the California Republican party have sued Gavin Newsom and the secretary of state named Alex Padilla over Newsom's order. The Republicans' lawsuit uh, joins an earlier lawsuit filed by former Representative Daryl Issa. I think he's running to regain his seat. I'm not sure why he stepped down. He was one of the more effective Republicans in Congress. But Newsom's order cited the coronavirus pandemic as justifying his executive order to make November's election an all-mail-in ballot. The problem with that is he doesn't have the authority to do that. The Constitution explicitly delegates the power over congressional elections as well as uh, presidential elections and the selection of electoral college electors to the legislatures of the states. So I, I think he's trying to establish a precedent out there that will allow these other blue state governors to do the same thing. California is not seriously in play. Although the, you know, many uh, house seats that they stole through their ballot harvesting schemes would be the Republicans are going to be ready this time around and have their own ballot harvesting schemes in place. And, uh, And just imagine, you know, if you've got a one-party state like California controlling which ballots get mailed out, which ballots are returned and how they're counted, and you don't have any, any place for poll watchers to make sure that everything's on the up and up. It is a recipe for corruption and fraud. And, of course, the Democrats' response, anytime you point out that we need voter ID. They, they want people to, 
to be able to do everything without an ID except for vote. They want you to be able to vote without an ID. Anytime Republicans point out electoral fraud, the, the Democrats answer parroted by the media is always there's no proof. There's no proof of voter fraud. It's a myth. Well, just this last weekend, a, an election official in Philadelphia confessed to stuffing ballot boxes after taking bribes to do so. The question or the, uh, the, the vote was on an elections judge and a former Democrat committee member named Derek DeMurno, Dominique DeMurno, confessed to taking thousands of dollars from a political consultant in order to fill out empty ballots and report false returns after putting those ballots in the box. He pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to deprive persons of the civil rights and one count of using interstate facility to aid in bribery. The thing about these vote harvesting schemes, these refusals to allow voter ID and all of these other schemes that the Democrats are trying to put in place is not just that they allow somebody to vote who is not qualified, but they disenfranchise, they take the vote away from American citizens who are eligible to vote by canceling out their ballot. And how they've got away with this this long, perpetuating these voter uh, fraud schemes, well, I know why. It's because they've got the media to run interference for them. I'll tell you a little story from Atlanta, Georgia, where I was involved in, uh, in a couple of uh, mayoral elections. I saw buses uh, showing up and loading up people uh, at, at uh, mobile home parks on the south side of Atlanta and taking them to vote. Now, I knew by experience that those trailer parks down in south Atlanta were the first stop of illegal aliens who had recently arrived from Mexico, did not speak the language, was not, did not read the language, was not, were not able to, to actually, you know, read a, um, well, I guess they could read a, uh, a ballot in Spanish, but they, uh, they were taken to different voting precincts, depending on where, you know, the, uh, the Democrat machine in Atlanta needed votes for uh, council members and allowed to vote. I saw that over two election cycles. They harvested votes. They expanded, um, you know, annexed uh, portions of the city in, try, in order to try to hang on to, to power. And Ann Coulter had a very on-point statement aimed at the White House. She said on Twitter, stop confusing absentee voting and vote by mail. You know, the president often has to con- has to defend uh, being able to vote absentee because he's in the White House. And he'll say that, you know, in some instances it is warranted. But that is not the schemes that the Democrats are trying to do. Vote by mail is a very different thing than absentee balloting. If you're going to vote absentee, you have to go to the registrar's office. You've got to present yourself, show ID, sign a signature card so it can be compared to your ballot. And then the ballot is mailed to you. These vote-by-mail schemes are just a, a random ballot dump with addresses all over the state. 
with no accountability, no way to check to see if it's a valid ballot. It's going to be an absolute disaster. So on yesterday's show, I talked about Joe Biden's latest gaffe. This one was a racial gaffe when he uh, he went on uh, the morning show in Chicago with Charlemagne the God. <laughs> He's going to have to answer for that. He went on with Charlemagne the God and said, if, if you don't know whether to vote for me or vote for Trump, you ain't black. And uh, this has elevated Charlemagne to the God, uh, the God to a national. I, I need to stop calling him that. Charlemagne, the uh, the demigod, has elevated him to a national profile now. And uh, he was appearing on um, he was appearing on uh, uh, Joy Reid's Saturday show. And uh, was asked about Joe Biden's apology, which he immediately issued and went groveling, uh, trying to to get back on the right side of the issue. And here's how that went. Let me play the apology that um, Joe Biden gave. He he got on a call with black business leaders and apologized for the comment that he made at the end of your show. Uh, let me let you listen to that. The last thing I want to do, and I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. I shouldn't have been so cavalier in responding to what I thought was a, anyway. Anyway, don't let me stick my foot in my mouth again. It, it was, I don't take it for granted at all. And no one, no one should have to vote for any party based on their race, their religion, their background. Oh, that's very kind of you, Joe. Giving people to vote for who they want. Do you, do you think there's a risk that... Not just Joe Biden, but the Democratic Party in general just takes for granted. Did she say, oh, Biden? Religion, the background. Do you do you think there's a risk that not just Joe Biden, but the oh, Democratic Party in general just takes for granted that, well, the black, the, you know, the black people are with us. So we don't really have to give them anything else. They're going to vote for us regardless. Look, they voted for Joe Biden in overwhelming numbers, six in 10 black voters, particularly in southern states. They all voted for Joe Biden. We don't need to offer anything more. Do you worry that that is the attitude that Democrats are taking toward the black community? Well, it's not just the attitude. It's the reality, Joy. When you vote cycle after cycle at 90% for one party, they don't have to do anything for you except for make hollow promises. And you've got a president now who has, despite the fact that he got very marginal black support, actually delivered for black people in jobs. If you want to improve your economic situation, that's how you do it, through employment through generating and, uh, and building wealth. Here is Charlemagne, the demigod. I mean, I, I know that's the attitude, you know? I mean, that's why I don't even care about the, the words and the lip service and the apology is cool, but the best apology is actually a black agenda. You know, they got to make some real policy commitments to black people. We got to stop acting like the fact that blacks are overrepresented in America when it comes to welfare, poverty, unemployment, homelessness, drug addiction, crime, coronavirus, like that's no accident. It's no accident. You keep voting for Democrats, you keep getting the same thing, the definition of insanity. Like the whole function of systemic racism is to marginalize black people. And as the great Dr. Claude Anderson says in the book Powernomics, white society has an out-of-sight, out-of-mind attitude about racism, and they don't like to have any discussions of substance about... Oh, my God. That's all that's discussed. 
it's over discussed. It's a fixation. Blacks aren't happy unless you put them, put yourselves in their indomitable orbit of self of self-absorption. Systemic racism. So when you have black people who have the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated gall to act like citizens and demand something of our votes, it's a problem. It's just like you got, you know, whites telling telling us to stay in our place and you got black people saying, oh, stop. Now is not the time. You're going to get Trump reelected. It has to come to a point where we stop putting the burden on black voters to show up for Democrats and start putting the burden on Democrats to show up for black voters. How about you start voting your interests instead of voting how you're told to vote? Charlemagne, the demigod. And, and what you just said, that is a lot of what I'm hearing of, of, of even African-Americans saying, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say those things because it might uh, hurt the chances of beating Donald Trump. <laughs> well, Charlemagne the Demigod goes on in that same interview to say that if uh, Biden doesn't choose a black woman, Stacey Abrams, that black, black uh, turnout is going to be depressed. I hope he's right. I hope it's, it's depressed if he doesn't choose Stacey Abrams. And I, in fact, hope he does choose Stacey Abrams because she won't play well in the, uh, in the battleground states at all. We've got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to look at uh, the newest miniseries on Netflix, Waco, right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Stick with us. Son, tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever. The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. If you have thyroid eye disease and itchy eyes have you itching for a fight, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. You're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, as we went out to the break, we were listening to Charlemagne the Demigog, not Demigod, Demigog, uh, talking about if, uh, if Joe Biden doesn't nominate a black woman as his VP, that uh, turnout will be depressed he says uh, I sure hope that Joe Biden picks Stacey Abrams she uh, she does doesn't uh, doesn't play well in the long run but here's where he uh, he makes these statements uh, and and this question gets asked to me a lot and so I'll ask the question to you what if uh, Joe Joy Biden Reed. says nope I'm picking Amy Klobuchar she's my running mate then what then what do you do well, uh, on top of possible Russian interference and voter suppression, uh-huh. Dems have to worry about voter depression. And that's people staying home on Election Day because they just aren't enthused by the candidate. You know, you can't act like this is the most important election ever. Did he say Russian interference? Jesus, God. Is this is this become is this mythology just uh, become an article of faith with the Democrats now? Or are they immune 
to um, actual facts, $40 million, two and a half years, a whole phalanx of Democrat prosecutors and investigators that couldn't find anything, no American assisting or colluding with Russia. And then we uh, see this testimony from behind closed doors where CrowdStrike says that he doesn't even have any evidence that uh, Russia ever hacked the DNC servers. It was all a mythology. But I guess they're going to continue to parrot that lie, the big lie of Russian collusion. Here's this clip worry about voter depression and that's people staying home on election day because they just aren't enthused by the candidate you know you can't act like this is the most important election ever but run a campaign from your basement and you know not make some real you know policy commitments to the black community you know not 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 listen to some of the demands that the black community are making you know i think you know people are sitting around hoping that trump loses instead of going out there and actually beating him he has to do something that energizes his campaign that you know brings some actual (laughs) good luck with that Charlemagne, the demagogue. Joe Biden bringing enthusiasm. Joe Biden uh, is is just trying his best to get through the next sentence. He can't bring any enthusiasm. Stacey Abrams is uh, a video clip has has uh, surfaced of her talking about how to uh, engineer the uh, the redistricting in order to minimize minimize. Um, white voting power. You want to talk about voter suppression? You got her on on video saying we have to figure out a way to minimize uh, white people's share of the electorate. You can eliminate anyone who is not a citizen, meaning someone who's a resident, a green card holder, or undocumented. What you're left with then in the United States today is that 50%... Now, she's bemoaning the fact that that illegal aliens would not be represented in Congress. Citizen, meaning someone who's a resident, a green card holder, or undocumented. What you're left with then in the United States today is that 50% of the population under the age of 18, or sorry, under the age of 15, is communities of color. If you remove them from the calculation then what that means is that you create a whiter and therefore more Republican voting base. And under the Constitution, if they are not counted as part of the population, you are not. Illegal aliens she's talking about. Remember that famous clip of her when she was running for Georgia governor saying that undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens, are part of uh, this campaign part of the population, you are not committing discrimination if you don't include them in the drawing of those lines, which means a school board that has a predominantly Latino population in Arizona, but a number of those kids are undocumented or their families are, they are now no longer able to elect anyone who represents them because of the way the lines are drawn. (laughs) Stacey Abram, the poor illegal aliens don't have anybody to represent them in government. Yeah. It was never intended that people in the country illegally be represented in our government, although they apparently have captured a whole political party, the Democrats. This weaponization is not only intentional, it is continuing. And part of what's happening in the HEROES Act, 
which just passed the House and is sitting in the in the Senate, is that it includes language that forbids the census from providing this data in circumvention of the Supreme Court. So she wants the census not to even be able to to identify whether people are citizens or illegal aliens. More and more black voters, I believe, just I guess it's anecdotal at this point. We won't know until after this election, realize that Donald Trump went to bat for them and delivered like no Democrat in our nation's history has ever delivered for him. And I think that quite a number of them are going to break free from the Democrat plantation and uh, and realize that uh, they've been had. Here's a a black Trump supporter, uh, a veteran as well saying just that he really supports veterans i'm an air force veteran myself so i really respect that because like no no other president's really been actually sticking their neck out for us and i really appreciate what he's been doing for the va and um he's trying to keep us out of wars you know a lot of the things i thought he was going to do like i thought he was going to get us into war with north korea that didn't happen but he's going to get us into war with iran that absolutely didn't happen and he's a real strategic genius and um i, I really mess with the dude he's he's dope Love it. Yeah. Are you going to vote for the president in 2020? It appears that's so. No question. That's 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 not even. There's no question. I'm, that's why I'm here. I'm absolutely going to vote for him. And here's here's a Latino that jumps in on the uh, the conversation as well. I am a, I'm a Spanish, and I'm going to vote for him again. Yes, he's going to be our president 2020. I hope so. He's going to have an uphill battle. Anybody that thinks this election is in the bag just because the Democrats were stupid enough to nominate Joe Biden, I think might have another thing coming. The Democrats are lining up their uh, their voter fraud schemes or vote harvesting schemes. And it's going to be hard to fight back because when all of these millions of ballots flood in and these blue states that have put these programs, these mail-in ballots in place, it is going to be a, an absolute logistical nightmare to try to figure out which of those are valid ballots and which aren't. So, um, <laughs> I've got a, a Netflix recommendation. I know that that's normally the, the province of the morning mojo, but, uh, and, and I don't know if they have recommended, uh, the new mini series on Netflix, Waco. It is absolutely fabulous. If you're going to watch it and I really recommend that you do, you need to start it early in the day because this is uh, this is binge watching fair. I made the mistake of uh, not starting to watch it until about ten o'clock last night, and uh, I can't. It was it was early in the morning hours before I got to bed because you just one episode carries into the next, and you can't stop. And I was surprised that Netflix had produced this show. I, th- I thought it was going to be, um, you know, one-sided uh, condemnation of the religious sect. If you want to call them a cult, I think you could probably say they were a cult, the Branch Davidians. Uh, but it wasn't. It, if anything, it may have been a little bit too sympathetic toward David Koresh, who was a, um, a charismatic religious uh, zealot who prophesied the end time and, uh, and put his, uh, children, uh, in that compound at great risk for his own messianic, uh, visions. But, you know, law enforcement ought to know that these people exist. And, and you look 
to the FBI and the ATF who made a complete hash, actually a, a criminal negligence and, and, um, and disregard for human life, I think, in the, uh, in the Waco, Texas standoff. And, and before that, the Randy Weaver uh, standoff. They didn't like their authority being questioned, and so they were gonna they were gonna punish those Branch Davidians without regard that the compound was full of women and children. So, um, which of these clips should I play? I'm gonna play it first. A, a backgrounder on what happened at Waco. This is off the History Channel, and uh, and sort of reminds you of uh, of those faithful days. I think it was 51 days total back in. 1993, one of the most outrageous and uh, disgusting displays of federal law enforcement in our nation's history. In 1993, Americans watched breathlessly as FBI agents faced off with a self-proclaimed religious prophet and his armed followers in Central Texas. This was the Waco siege, a weeks-long standoff between the federal government and a religious group known as the Branch Davidians. Established by leader Victor Hautef, the Branch Davidians are a Christian sect, an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, with a literal interpretation of the Bible's prophecies. Hautef and a group of his followers settled near Waco, Texas in 1935. Branch Davidians believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ and a day of judgment in which God will punish the wicked and reward the good. In preparation for Judgment Day, the Branch Davidians isolated themselves from the outside world in their commune near Waco. Confined to a 77-acre compound called the Mount Carmel Center, they established their own way of life. The group had gone through various divisions and changes in leadership before it was taken over by a charismatic Bible teacher named David Koresh in 1990. Koresh was a self-proclaimed prophet and believed that he was appointed by God to bring about the end of the world. Unlike his predecessors, Koresh practiced polygamy, taking a number of underage followers as wives who bore his children. He also... I guess I need to stop right there. Uh, David Koresh did... Um, take underage wives and father children by them. But uh, first of all, that's no business of the ATF that mounted this assault on the compound. And second of all, it wasn't what he did wasn't illegal. According to Texas law, Uh, all of these girls uh, were of marrying age with the permission of their parents in Texas, a, a holdover from the frontier days. Collected guns and ammunition in preparation for, I guess I need to, to, uh, hasten to say that that law needs to be changed, that you don't need to be marrying children off to to anybody, much less a, a religious cult leader. Nevertheless, uh, that should have been handled by the state of Texas and would have gone much better than calling these, I would start to say, jackbooted thugs. You're not supposed to say that. But they certainly, uh, they certainly mounted a military assault on a religious compound that never had to happen. For the coming apocalypse. Word eventually reached federal authorities that the cult was illegally stockpiling weapons. On February 28th, 1993, agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Fire... Well, they weren't illegally stockpiling weapons. There's no, there's no limit on the number of guns that you can own uh, in Texas and most other states. Any limitations would be a violation of the Second Amendment in any case. 
what they were doing is they were converting semi-automatic um, AR-15s and AK-47s to fully automatic, or at least that was the the claim. It was uh, never proven as far as I know. But in Texas at the time, uh, that was a, a state law that uh, only required that you pay a, a $25 registration fee in order to notify the government of that. Again, certainly didn't uh, justify a military assault on a compound, religious compound full of women and children. Firearms arrived at the Mount Carmel compound, armed with search warrants for the property and an arrest warrant for Koresh. Gunfire erupted, although it's unclear which side started it. At the end of the two-hour standoff, four AT. Well, there was video of the incident, and uh, that video was uh, conveniently lost. It was in possession of the ATF. It was lost, so you can make your own conclusions about who fired first. F agents and six branch Davidians were dead. The FBI intervened. Nearly 900 members of law enforcement descended on the compound, including Texas Rangers, Army personnel, and National Guardsmen. For weeks, FBI negotiators bargained. They brought in tanks. They brought in tanks to run around the compound and, and crush cars and fences and intimidate the Branch Davidians and ultimately lay siege assault to the uh, to the actual building. Bringing in supplies and allowing him to sermonize on the radio in a bid to get him to surrender. Though he allowed a number of Davidians to leave, Koresh displayed no signs of turning himself in. Agents then tried hardball tactics. They turned off the electricity, blasted loud music, and flashed harsh spotlights into the compound's windows. Psychological warfare. They engaged in psychological warfare against women and children. Now, I know Koresh was hiding behind the women and children, but nevertheless, those tactics were were not called for and ultimately led to the escalation of tensions and the disaster that happened. That didn't work either. After a 51-day standoff, Attorney General Janet Reno gave the FBI the green light to raid Mount Carmel. On April 19th, 1993, Tanks rolled in and punched holes in its walls and deposited nearly 400 canisters of tear gas inside the building. CS gas pumped into a building. First of all, there is a long history of that resulting in fires in, um, in Philadelphia and Escondido, California, a dozen other places. They knew the risk, and yet they pumped that gas into that's supposed to be used as riot control and um you know in the open air they pumped it into the building and then used flashbang grenades which may have been the ultimate uh, ignition source with predictable wholly predictable consequences it's actually a violation of the geneva convention to use cs gas in confined spaces like they did against the Branch Davidians. Several hours later, a fire broke out. This far out of the country without fire hydrants, you have to haul all of your water. It's just a, a very bad scenario here at this point. So they did this despite the fact of, you know, this long history of uh, CS gas and confined spaces resulting in fires. And they did not have any fire suppression in place. And the Branch Davidian compound was a, a tinderbox. It was 
lightly constructed with a lot of exposed materials. And it was just a, a tragedy waiting to happen. Winds fanned the flames and reduced the entire property to ash within an hour. Around 80 Branch Davidians died, including David Koresh and 25 children. Well, I don't give a damn that David Koresh died because he is the one that, uh, that led these poor children to, and, and these women and, and these other followers to their deaths. While most died from fire and smoke inhalation, two members were found with fatal bullet wounds to the head. That was uh, David Koresh and his uh, lieutenant who apparently um, committed murder-suicide rather than burned to death. Four federal agents were also killed during that siege. They were killed early in the siege when uh, when they laid, the ATF assaulted the compound with with this uh, warrant. Koresh met him at the door with his hands up, pleaded with him uh, that there were women and children inside. And then the, uh, the firefight began. They killed six Branch Davidians and four ATF agents. And this misbegotten, poorly conceived military assault on a religious compound. Several months later, a federal grand jury indicted 12 of the surviving Branch Davidians for unlawful possession of firearms and aiding the murder of federal officers. Many believe the government's actions were overly aggressive and maybe even illegal. The raid drew sharp public criticism and controversy. I'm not sure, but I think all of those defendants were acquitted. Swirled over whether or not federal agents started the fire and shot the Branch Davidians. At the center of the storm was Janet Reno, who issued the final order to raid the compound. In 1999, she appointed independent counsel John Danforth to investigate the incident. <laughs> to, to cover up, to spin the incident, to put the government's narrative on it. He, uh, he found that the Branch Davidians committed mass suicide. There's no evidence for that. And all of the evidence uh, that would have that that did existed conveniently came up missing. Danforth concluded that the agents were not responsible and placed the blame squarely on Koresh and his followers for setting the blaze and shooting themselves in order to fulfill their apocalyptic prophecy. Well, what fulfilled the apocalyptic prophecy was federal law enforcement playing into this in fact, that's exactly what it did, is fulfilled the Branch Davidians' end-time prophecies. I got a clip here of Joe Biden in the aftermath of Waco defending uh, federal law enforcement's actions. The Waco incident documents mistakes, but the record from Waco does not evidence, however, is any improper motive or intent on the part of law enforcement. David Koresh and the Davidians set fire to themselves and committed suicide. The government did not do that. Well, we don't know that. We do know that uh, the government created the circumstances in violation of the Geneva Convention against American citizens that resulted in this, and they used flashbang grenades at the same time, which were a source, an ignition source, 
and to just exonerate federal law enforcement because there was no motive or intention. Of course, they didn't go out there with the intention of mass murder. But that doesn't bring back the lives of those those uh, children and the other cult members. And it didn't have to be that way. All you had to do, David Koresh went to town in Waco every weekend. He visited, uh, he visited the music store there. And he had a close relationship with the county sheriff who had dealt with the Branch Davidians and kept them in lines for, for years. All that had to happen was to tap Koresh on the shoulder and say, come with us, young man. And all of this could have been avoided, but that wouldn't have allowed federal law enforcement to, to um, use their, their military overwhelming power. That's a great, great miniseries. I can't recommend it highly enough. It is balanced. It looks at the, uh, the dilemma from the, uh, from the Branch Davidians' point of view and from federal law enforcement's point of view. But my takeaway now is the same as it was then. This didn't need to happen, and it was because of this militarization of American law enforcement that took us down this road. Well, I haven't uh, reminded you yet to go to preparewithmojo50.com. It'll take you to My Patriot Supply, and you can get your four-week emergency food supply. Save $100 today. Normally $297, you can get it for $197 and get free same-day shipping. That's right, you'll save $100 and get free same-day shipping. It's got a 25-year shelf life, provides 2,000 calories a day, 284 total servings. Get yours today. So (laughs) if the ATF lays siege to your compound, uh, you'll be able to to uh, to hold out while you negotiate the terms of your surrender and do it before they uh, they bring the tanks onto your property. What should we talk about? <laughs> well, let's talk about this uh, this this pissing contest between Joe Scarborough and crazy Mika Brzezinski over there at MSNBC. You know, they've been after Donald Trump for three years solid promoting this Russia hoax in the absence of any evidence. And so the president, you know, as as uh, Mika and Joe have turned up the heat and are trying to say that it's his fault that the Wuhan virus has killed almost 100,000 people in America. First of all, I believe those numbers are wildly exaggerated. We now, even, even Dr. Deborah Burks doesn't believe those numbers. She's saying you can't believe the CDC's numbers, and she estimates that they're probably inflated by up to 25%. And if she's saying 25% of the number may well be much higher than that. But uh, Mika and Joe over there are uh, saying the president has blood on his hands and he, it's his fault. And so the president has had enough of it. And he is reminding Joe Scarborough of a episode in his history where he was accused of murder. He tweeted out a lot of interest in this story about psycho Joe Scarborough. So a young marathon runner just happened to faint in his office, hit her head on his desk and die. I would think there was a lot more to the story than that. An affair? What about the so-called investigator? Read the story. And of course, he's talking about when this uh, young college intern 
that was working in his uh, his uh, office in um, I think it was uh, Walton County, Florida. Uh, it showed up dead. She was apparently in great health, but uh, a an autopsy by a, um, a coroner who was later uh, thrown out of office for misconduct determined that she had an undiagnosed heart condition despite the fact that she regularly engaged in running marathons. And uh, the conventional wisdom out of Scarborough's di- or district, and it may be the reason that he quit Congress, was that there was foul play afoot. I can tell you this. There's way, way, way more evidence of foul play and the death of that young intern than there ever was for the Russia hoax. And so Trump is just giving it back to Joe and probably with a, a lot more evidence. So, you know, Joe Scarborough, cry me a river. Mika's trying to get him tossed off of Twitter now because she's attacked her. Uh, uh, Trump has attacked her man. And here's old Brian Stetler melting down over this issue. Walk us through what's going on here. Yeah, this is a claim that President Trump has been making against MSNBC host Joe Scarborough. Of course, Scarborough is is a very vocal critic of the president. And in response, the president keeps accusing Scarborough of murder. Now, I can't believe I- well, he never actually accused him of murder. He just um, uh, linked two stories about the suspicious death of this young intern said that. It's crazy. Uh, This is beyond the pale. But this is what the president's been doing in recent weeks. He's actually dredged up a conspiracy theory that dates back to two. Not a conspiracy theory. There's actually a dead intern under suspicious circumstances. 2001 that was actually used against Scarborough by left-wing critics uh, back when Scarborough was a Republican congressman. So now this crazy idea is being used by a... (laughs) Now it's a crazy idea. You can bet if you looked hard enough, you can probably find Stetler at the time pumping uh, this this controversy. But now that Trump is saying it, then it's a conspiracy theory. Right wing president to criticize Scarborough. But basically what happened is, is very tragic. In 2001, an intern who was working for Scarborough in Florida uh, fell and hit her head uh, and died in his office. He was in Washington at the time. That's in question, too. She was on his schedule to meet with him. But they're now saying that he wasn't even in town. It's an interesting story. I really have no sympathy at all for Joe Scarborough. If he can dish it out, he's got to learn to take it. That takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow for another edition right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.